Surprise! Hello, it's Beverly Wang and Benjamin Law. And we are dropping a very special episode of Stop Everything because after a punishing 47 days on the island, we finally have a winner for the latest season of Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villains. So Beverly, sound effects. Let me do my trademark. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Evacuate now. Okay, is everybody safe? Okay, they've had their warning. Winner of Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villains, Liz. I can't believe I'm here, and I can't believe I've won. Liz, I taught you to be ruthless, and I taught you how to be a villain, and look what you did to me, and you're the only person to ever vote me out. I couldn't be more proud to vote for you. Congratulations in a season where new players, villains, and women were endangered species. Maybe the combination of all three is exactly what we needed to rise to the top. So who you're hearing from there last is Hayley Leakes, who won the sixth season of Australian Survivor, and she's passing on that trophy to the current season winner, who's Liz Parnov, who outwitted, outplayed, outlasted all of her opponents. She's a two-time Olympic pole vaulter, part of the original Villains tribe, a woman, a first-time Survivor player, as Hayley says, all vulnerable species this season, and emerged triumphant with unanimous votes voting for her as the winner. So Matt Sharp, who is a lifeguard, and Jerry, the pilot, they were not successful ultimately in the end. And that was a really interesting result. We have talked at length about what happened along the way on your journey until you were eliminated just before the tribes merged. 14th place, that's basically the Balsa Wood Medal. Do you get a badge for that? (laughs) I've got an internal psychological badge. We have talked a lot about my slow demolition over 22 days, but hey, Survivor isn't just about winning Beverly, it's possibly about the friends we made along the way. Who might that be? We do have some very special guests. Friends here to talk about the season and the finale and the result. I am so thrilled to welcome one of my favourites watching this season of Australian Survivor, Simon Mee, from the OG Villains Tribe. God, what a journey Simon has had along the way. I am so obsessed with what happens to Simon on this show. The highs, the lows, the butt cookie, the non-idle revelations, the alliances that were made, they were broken, they were remade, his reactions, his bulging eyes, the face (laughs) of Survivor this season. Hello, Simon. Warm welcome. (laughs) Oh, it's so loaded when you like come out with an intro like that and I just think back of the kind of <laughs> did it all flash before your eyes as I went through it oh yeah it, it really did I'm so <laughs> sorry the, uh, the, the roller coaster continues but it's not done <laughs> Look, yet. it's a safe place and it can sometimes feel like audio therapy right this is definitely think therapy. of it that way okay we're saying that it's a safe space now but we're going to go right into that trauma as we speak but we have to introduce our next guest who is Survivor Royalty, two-time player on the Australian series, the daughter of a two-time winner of the US series here in Australia, but hailing from North Carolina, Beverly, that's a US state, way over on the East Ben, 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 I'm going to have to stop you there because I've lived in the United States before and because I have, you don't have to explain it to me like I'm an idiot. I'm going to stop the gag right here because it's re-traumatising for all of us. It's OG hero 
Nina Twine. Welcome to Stop Everything, mate. Hey, y'all. Thank you for having me. I'm over here trying not to laugh. Oh, please <laughs> laugh as much as you want. That was amazing. <laughs> okay, so we're talking on the other side of something that the three of us have experienced, which was an intense journey for all of us in very different ways. But we now know who the sole survivor winner is. Now, Nina, Simon, you both voted for Liz. In fact, everyone did because the votes were unanimous. So why don't we start there? Simon, you were playing with Liz from the start as an OG villain. Did she strike you as a winner from the outset? No. like Why not? My first experience with Liz when we sat on the trucks to drive in to the first challenge, I had not met her before and I couldn't see her Olympic tattoo. It had just been raining. She sat down on the bench of the truck and looked so uncomfortable and was trying to like swoosh the water off so her butt didn't get wet. And I've just <laughs> gone, oh dear, you have no idea what you just got yourself in for. And then on the drive in was complaining about being hungry and tired already, <laughs> like openly. And it blew my mind. I was like, wow, like this person has no idea what she's in for and she's going to be an early boot. And I was so proven wrong. Well, she was going to get a lot wetter and hungrier and more tired than that day. That's such an interesting perspective from you because Nina and I were over on the other truck and I don't know about your reaction, Nina, but when I looked over at Liz with her villain-like ponytails and the fact that she had that resting face of hers, which is so intimidating, I was already scared of her. I like scary women, so I was impressed by her. (laughs) But Nina, you worked with Liz after the tribe swap, sometimes with, sometimes against. Did you know coming into that final jury that you were already going to vote for her as a winner? Oh, absolutely. The second I saw who the final three were, I was like, yep, she has a story to tell. And as long as she tells it correctly and eloquently, she's going to get my vote. Unless for whatever reason, Jerry or Matt can pull something out and blow us away. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. And she did. And she did it with such grace. And you could tell she cared. She sat there. She made her points, made sure she was clear. And she didn't hold back. Anytime she felt like she needed to add something, she didn't hold her tongue. She said, "Not hold on. I have something to say. And that's what I saw for those times that I did work with her. She was never scared to say what she needed to say. And I appreciated that. She had such a clear vision of her path through the show, and she had clearly thought about it. Mm. And especially when she interrupted and said, can I make a comment? And she told George to his face when she began to plot against him to the point that George... I think possibly characteristically only an observation, his ego was flattered in what he said. And he's like, I made you the villain that I see before you. I'm so proud to vote for you. And I think it was a real contrast in the style of Matt Mm. and of Jerry. In fact, Jerry, I thought he was asked about Mm self-awareness and he displayed no self-awareness in the answer. And Matt, I was reading his face, and I feel like I could see the moment where the light dimmed in his eyes. We all saw it. He had a pitch that just was not grasping anyone. Then he started hearing the questions that we had in the comments that we made, and you could see his posture completely change. You can see Liz's posture completely change in a positive way, and then Jerry was just kind of there. She was coming into her power. Mm. In fact, I was thinking, I have never heard any of them speak at such a long stretch until that point. Yeah. Mm. That was really interesting. Simon, 
your reactions during that final deliberation. I felt like watching you, we were seeing the realizations dawn in real time, the way your eyes would light up. What was going through your mind as you listened to each finalist make their case? There's just so much to consider. For my game, I was left outside and on the bottom. I didn't know exactly what was going on on the inner workings of their alliance. And so I just, I don't know, it would be so intrigued to find out what was actually going on. And the big thing that I wanted to understand was how can these three players differentiate themselves from George? How can they stand on their own two feet? And Liz just delivered her speech and her story with so much emotion and just brought us along her journey. I think Matt had a fantastic story to tell, but he just lacked that human emotion on the way through. I feel for him because you're out there, you're 47 days, you haven't really slept, you're not really fed that well. It's a lot to then try to summarise everything that you've been through and bring the best of it to light in those conditions. And I think he must have just rehearsed what he was trying to say so many times over that he almost just read it off the palm cards in his head and didn't follow through with, like, the heart-to-heart story that we all wanted to hear. It's a difficult proposition, though, isn't it? Because, one, you have to tell your story, but, two, you kind of have to know your own story. And I felt like until we saw ourselves on TV, sometimes you're not even clear what your own trajectory is. Like, I felt for Matt in that moment because, one, I think we all know what it's like when public speaking is a really, really tough proposition in front of you. But, two, it's like feeling your way through the story. I do wonder, like, hearing what you're saying, Simon, is there anything that Matt and Jerry especially could have said to have elevated them to potential winner status for you? I think Jerry made his bed in the way that he played the game in the later half leading up to that final tribal council. It was my opinion that I don't think Jerry was ever going to get any votes from anyone. I think Matt had a story going into the final tribal council. I was 60 for Liz, 40 for Matt, but still up in the air to be like, you know what, if someone can pitch this well, I will go either way. I think Matt's story and what his pitch could have been was like, I knew exactly what I was doing. I was using George as a shield. And I'm responsible for saving him multiple times throughout that game. And yeah, I may not have any big moves under my belt and have those specifically on my resume, but my biggest move has been subtlety to get me here and just own that. Mm. And that's, I think, what we were looking for to be like, how have you done this? As opposed to giving the phone call home to Geordie, that's not the kind of strategic Mm. move that was really appreciated. When you've got seven returnees on the jury, that's not going to win them over. You know what? It really broke my heart to see him lose it and to watch it again. Nina, in the final council that you were on, you kind of made that point. This is what you said. Being instrumental is what I, as a jury member, is I'm going to want to hear. Not just I was told a name and I wrote it down. So to me, an active leader normally is running around, making sure the numbers are right, not at camp, and just waiting to hear what's going to happen. Shouldn't have said that, probably. That was a very funny reflection at the end. (laughs) That kind of, in a way, was a nail in your coffin when Mm. you said that in the tribal. But also, you were speaking to a couple of people there, weren't you? Absolutely. So my standpoint on that was there was no way I am not going home. So if I am going, I'm going to make sure that these people know 
what we're going to be thinking as a jury. Never thought in a million years I would be kept, especially by George. So I'm just going to say what I need to say. I had that isolation with Jerry. He's telling me his whole story. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. But do you not realize what you're telling me is that you sat at camp all day and just kind of had the information delivered to you? Like, that's what you're telling me. And so in the days leading up to that, I had conversations daily with Matt and Jerry. And you see little clips of me kind of in the background, never really hearing what I'm saying. And what I'm saying to them and asking them is, why would you vote for you? What is your final pitch? And can you tell me anything that you did without George or that you were the leader? And no one could ever give me an answer. If I did get anything back from them, it was always, we just need to make it to the end. And I had said multiple times, you can make it to the end and have no story to tell or not have thought about it. And me as a jury member, I'm not going to appreciate that because I sat there and fought and fought and fought. And here you are just trying to make it to the end with no thought put into it. It's so interesting to hear your insights, Nina, because obviously you're a second generation Survivor player. Mm. That's such a rare thing. Survivor is in your blood. It's in your family. And you even played with your mother, Sandra Diaz-Twine, who's a two-time winner of the U.S. show. You must come with such a deep background of understanding what this show is all about. What does Survivor mean to your family? And what's kind of the balance between you and your mom about she wants to give you lots of advice. Mm. Are you necessarily ready to hear it? Do you want it? Mm -hmm. So it means more than people even know to my family. It was what put us in a position where I could go to college. I could do all these things. My mom had all these opportunities and allowed my family to then be a little bit more comfortable in life where things get hard. She put things in a savings account. We have a house because of it. We have cars because of it. We were able to do very responsible things. There is no fun vacation this, places to go that. No, like it was what got our family to the point where I can do things like this. But yeah, no, I have a lot of insight just because of the story she tells. She gave me a lot of advice, in my opinion, just a bit too much. I am not a nighttime cram before the test person. This is like over time. I like to learn a lot and I love to ask her questions when I'm ready for them. But I've also seen and listened from other people. I hear her on the phone with survivor friends that she's had since I was five years old. I hear all these things. So when I go into a game like this, I'm coming with a respect for the game like a lot of returnees do. So I'm here with new, fresh faces, and I can see Ben has a respect for the game. I can see Liz has a respect for the game. Not saying Matt or Jerry don't, but when I'm at the end fighting like Simon every day since merge, and then you're telling me, oh, I just want to get to the end. I'm like, look, and I had this chat with Matt actually. Considering my mom won twice, she didn't win anything physical. He did. Okay, great. Yeah, bring that up. But you need to be able to speak about your game strategically. Look at who you are pitching to. Like, I'm sorry. And I had a chat with him and I was like, tell me something. He would tell me, don't care. Sorry. Try and think about something else. And I'm like, dude, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that George has pretty much told everyone that he's had a hand in your final pitch, but you haven't even practiced a final pitch yet. Like we had a whole day where after we had our breakfast and stuff, I was like, this is the perfect time to kind of start throwing things around. I'm thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. The second something happens one day, how can I add this in? And that's what a lot of people do. And not everybody has to, but you know, Simon said he came in 60, 40. I was more like, 
1090. The second Simon left, I was talking to them on a daily basis. And I'm like, oh my God, Liz is the only one who's actually putting the effort in to get things done and have a story to tell. And that's always how Survivor ends. So to see that is really important. Simon, what Nina says resonates with me. We talk about respect of the game. I think we three people here who've been on the game, like we're all fans of the show. Nina, you were immersed in the show since you were a child. Simon, I want to hear about what the show means to you because I saw on your Instagram stories the other day, you've been applying to be on Survivor since season two, eventually making it onto Australian season, season two. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Cool. So, So what is it about this show? Is it reality TV in general or is it this particular show that was calling to you? Look, reality TV is not for me. It, like, <laughs> but there was something about Survivor, like growing up as a kid, like I remember watching the US seasons and, you know, being a 10-year-old and watching Aussie go on a tear in, I think it was the Cook Island Cook season Islands, or something yeah. like that, where he won a bunch of challenges being like, wow, that'd be really cool to do. And I remember seeing Rob and Amber in their season, like getting together, and I was like, wow, maybe when I grow up, I can go on Survivor and that's how I can get a girlfriend. Like, <laughs> and then it's against the rules, Simon. It's against the rules. I know. <laughs> so I fell in love with Survivor for the challenges back in the day. You know, I lost touch with American Survivor as I kind of grew up a little bit. But when I saw the first season of Australian Survivor, I was working in media and advertising and I went to a Channel 10 breakfast the week after the finale and sat next to Lee Castledine. And I was like, that was amazing. I remember crying during that finale. And then I was like, okay, that's it. I'm applying. And he inspired me to apply. As the only person who has not been on Survivor, I am so yet, curious. Beverly, I'm, yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy. Don't rule it out. Okay. Anyway, as currently the only person right now in this conversation who has not been on Survivor, I'm so curious to know what it is like to be there and then see it unfold in all the different dimensions. And Simon, I want to hear especially how you felt about this particular storyline. After going home with two hidden immunity idols in my last season, all I want to do is play an idol correctly. I was actually expecting it to be a necklace, but this one came from a cookie jar, so it was always going to look like a cookie, wasn't it? I found it in the cookie jar. It's in my pants right now. Are you lying I, to me? I'm not lying to you. Can you show me? I, you can feel it in my ass when the time's right. In your speedos. It's in my ass crack right now, yeah. <laughs> I want to feel it. Yeah, just feel it, quick. <laughs> I do say, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Simon! The most erotic moment of the season. I know this is an audio platform, but Beverly is just like... I'm dying! Away. She can't contain herself right now. What? When you saw that happen on screen... <laughs> What Along with the national think? audience. I loved it, Simon. You know, you have my heart, Simon. This is all in love. <laughs> but talk us through that whole storyline. Oh, that whole storyline is so loaded. My entire game was based around that little cookie idol. That moment at the start was pretty funny. I spent a lot of time in my budgie smugglers out there. My pants were relatively, like, tight as well. So I just know that the reason I'm saying that, you know when you've got your phone in your pants and you can see the outline of your phone in someone's pocket. Well, no, pocket. I don't because it's they don't make women's pants pockets that deep to hold phones. You should see the pants I have on. <laughs> yeah, <those> right? 
So That's anyway, male privilege, I, Simon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm nodding along with you, Simon. I've got that male privilege to nod along with. Excellent. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> so, okay, this disc and the whole green emblem in the disc really threw me off. But I'm like, okay, at this point in time, I can't just be seen to have that like sitting at the bottom of my pocket. I need to just put this somewhere else and it might just be easier. In the butt crack. In the and crack, yeah. It wasn't like a coin like in a slot. It was flat <laughs> against like the back of my butt. I would say oh, that. Oh, it was. I didn't know that. Yeah, no. I it thought wasn't it like... was in there. No, Nina. Come I on. swear to God, I did. I'm surprised person. I never asked you. <laughs> this is why this Survivor special is so amazing. We are getting the juice. It wasn't like a stuck that. coin in a video game in an arcade. <laughs> Everybody yeah. listening is now readjusting their mental image mm. of yeah, where no, the it was cookie more like was. A freckle on top of a freckle. <laughs> Wow. I kind of think that raises more questions than an answer, Simon, but we can't dwell on the butt cookie too much. Mm. It's been a roller coaster <laughs> ride for the butt cookie because it eventually yeah. made it into my game as well <laughs> in a hilarious it's crazy way. Crazy how that but was intertwined. A pretty incredible narrative. But I think one of the things that a lot of the viewers and the fans are surprised by, I've discovered, is that we only see the episodes as they play out on national TV and we kind of need to brace ourselves for what potentially yeah. might be shown and potentially won't be shown. Mm. I mean, Simon, you end up in this really intense tribal head-to-head -head with George where you have a huge high, you win individual immunity in that same episode and then you lose all of your allies. I can only imagine how hard that is to watch. Nina, you know, you similarly have an episode which must have been brutal to watch back with the audience as well where you and Sean both have idols mm. played incorrectly. Sam goes home. What's it like watching that all over again? Because we all have those low points on the show, but then to have it exposed to everyone, it's tough, right? Yeah, so for me, like I'm wearing my Apple Watch and it'll just go your heart rate has significantly increased. Have you fallen or something like that? Oh, <laughs> the stress. No, yeah, it's really That's stressful. Cool. And the weird thing is, I'm fine almost every episode. I knew that one was coming. I'm actually watching it on a plane. So I'm like looking over my shoulder, please God, nobody look at this. Once it was done, I was fine. Having talked to my mom and she's like, you can't change it. So watch it, hold your breath, hate every moment of it. The second it's done, think about where you are in life, what you're doing, and then move on. And I'm like, look, I'm on my way to Australia to hang out with everyone. Whatever, this sucked. I'm not going to go on social media. And I went to self-preservation mode. And at the end of the day, I made it as far as I made it. If I hadn't and I played it for Sam, it would have been epic. Don't get me wrong. I do wish that had happened. But then I could have been the next person gone. And my story would have ended way earlier than it should have. What about for you, Simon, for that episode, that brutal tribal council that involves every person on that tribe and everyone is either going to be triumphant or damaged by the end of it? You knew that episode's coming up. What are the pep talks that you're giving yourself on the day of something like that airing? Oh, where do you even begin? Like, I knew that was coming and that was a real knot in my stomach. Mm. And you just have to focus on the positives. Like, I knew that I had a good win in there, the winning immunity. But unfortunately, that was completely overshadowed by the rest of the chaos from that episode. But look, I think I kind of have going with the same mentality that I went into this game with is that, you know, you have to stay positive, you focus on the good things. And, you know, I've always been passionate, I've been enthusiastic about my approach to this game. And I throw myself in wholeheartedly to whatever I do. And I am prepared, willing and happy to face plant with my hands tied behind my back. <laughs> 
And so it's hard to watch it back, but you just know that it is what it is. And the big thing that Nina said is like, when you own it, it's the best thing that you can do because trying to fight it, you will only lose. Ben, I'm going to turn the tables on you and oh, ask Jesus, you this. You have to answer the same. I'm co-hosting what? this No, thing. no, 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 no. <laughs> Take that hat off. <laughs> what it was like for you to see that nobody wanted to be your friend. Nobody wants to be Ben's friend. <laughs> In some ways, there's an element of non-surprise because when you're at the bottom out there at some stage, and all of us are, I mean, Simon, you really felt that out there. You know it, you suspect it. The rest is just specifics, like how at the bottom am I and who's kind of like conspiring against me? And I remember, Nina, when that episode was about to come on air, you and I were texting because Mm -hmm. you were saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't even remember that happened. And I was like, Nina, I am so... (laughs) Amused. (laughs) Because for me, like at the end of the day, you know, Nina and I are mates outside of this game, right? And for me, I'm a comedy writer and that's the way I kind of approach this game. I tend to see the humour in most situations. Now, that's the vibe I take out there that I want to take out there, but... There are days where things aren't funny, right? Like we all felt that. You're hungry, you're sleep deprived. So I try to see the humour in the situation. Hats off to you you all. Simon, you changed so much during this season. You know, you went from being like the butch villain to kind of being like the person pleading like, why won't anybody listen to me? George is using you as a pawn and everybody turns a blind ear. A blind ear. What an expression. Doesn't listen to you, right? And it was like watching a play. It was so dramatic, like some kind of Greek tragedy or like Shakespeare. What was it like for you to even get to that point where you're pleading to be heard and no one wants a bar of you? It was really hard to end up in that position. But at the end of the day, I feel like I ended up there to no fault of my own. I feel like it was the repercussions of the cookie idol. My tribe turned on me, but then I tried to get the heroes on board. Then all the heroes didn't believe me. And then I, you know, I've ended up in this position. So it was kind of like a really unique spot to be in. I made my bed also very early on in the game where I called out. I'm like, if George doesn't go second, he's second last. And watching it back, there's a nice little moment where I can just vindicated? be like, I told you so. Yeah. Yeah, and it's frustrating, but like at the end of the day, the warning I gave, I couldn't be any clearer. I put a lot of time into Matt to try to, you know, get him to think about options and, you know, when he was going to do something. And he spoke a lot about it, but never did anything with it. And I'm like, look, I'm so far gone. The analogy that I use, I banged on the door. I'm like, hey, guys, please let me in. Someone listen to me. And then it's like, if I'm gone next, I'm like, well, man, as well, I'll just drive the bus through the door. Like, I'm, I just knew <laughs> I was gone. Do you get to keep any of the stuff from Survivor? Like, do you get to keep the butt cookie? <laughs> Here's a good question for Simon, because he is the total kleptomaniac of the season, aren't you, Simon? <laughs> yeah. Short answer is no. You don't need to keep anything, but... I've got a water bottle, I've got the shell I ate out of, I've got a bunch of different wrapping that I had planned to make fake idols with, things from rewards like string and twine and stuff like that. So I have a nice little collection of things. Your little like pack all rat. stored in your butt cheeks. Nina, Is that did where you, you stored them all? <laughs> It's a big space. He's like a chipmunk. It's all his actual face cheeks now. They're just in there. Nina, what did you keep? Yeah, I got to keep like the wrapping for the idol. I did get a water bottle as well. But then when I went to spend some time with David after the show, he was like, oh my God, like I didn't get one. And I said, dude, 
I'm flying home. Uh, this thing is heavy. I wrote like a little note on the bottom of it and I gave it to him because at the end of the day, he was my number one until the day he left. I know what it's like just to be at that cusp. So I was like, one, he's letting me into his house. You know, after all of this, the least I can do. I bet it's a nice house too. He's a football player. Beautiful oh, home. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. As someone who comes from a family with hoarding tendencies, I <laughs> tend to want to shed and not hold on to things. Mm. But of course I kept both of my bandanas. I was hero, remained a hero. So I've got two yellow bandanas. One is pretty funky because I, <laughs> Nina would have seen this. I used it out there to clean my teeth. It's pretty That's gross, but it's a synthetic fiber like the bristles on your toothbrush. My teeth were squeaky clean. And of course I kept the parchment that comes with Did you have the cookie clue? No, I don't know where that cookie actually ended up. I don't have a cookie clue because it didn't come with a clue, of course. I should have. <laughs> I should. I should have kept my <laughs> brutal. I should have kept my water bottle, but that's somewhere lost to production. The sands now. of time. Okay, like those buffs, like they look so crusty and disgusting by the end of it. How gross do you like your clothes and everything get? So for me specifically, most of my stuff, like it's dingy, but I always washed. I always dried by the fire. So my stuff always smelled like fire and I would rub it in the sand to get everything out. So it definitely looks dingy, but I've never had like crusty stuff. Nothing like that. It's always just looked used and old. Nina's stuff is not crusty. Let's correct the record. <laughs> Simon, how crusty, crusty and gross did stuff get? Super crusty. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's just disgusting. It's all covered in mud, salt. The good thing is it's all relative. You're just as dirty as your tribe mates at the end of the day. So it's when you are around clean people, that's when you realise how dirty you are. What's the most disgusting moment that didn't make it to air, Simon? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't want to answer for him. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, I think I know this story. This came after a Chinese banquet, right? Yeah. Oh my god. There oh my j- gosh. What? I just the both of your reactions and Simon's reticence. It is. We were just about to walk back into camp, and someone hit the big red emergency evacuate all system, like dump it all now. And I Wait, had are you to, talking about yeah. your body? Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about my guts. There was also no nowhere to clean up, so no toilet paper or anything. So I swam out a little bit and around the cliff face. I was in the water for about 10 or 15 minutes as the movements passed through my body. Making um, direct eye contact wait, with us. <laughs> I was just, just making sure you weren't looking at me. I continued to Evacuate. move the liquid from my stomach into the liquid into the sea. And in this big brown cloud that went okay. around me for a little bit. I was so, going yeah, to look, ask you asked, for clarification that's... where it came from, but I think you have answered that question. Look, I've never seen someone so sad. Oh, Absolutely. Simon. Oh, Simon. I wasn't there, but was I heard that the waves came back to you, Simon. Oh, and I just have to say, as someone who was voted out just before that Chinese banquet episode, the fact that that happened after I was eliminated and it was a Chinese banquet, that just feels correct. Oh, wow. <laughs> correct. Hey, no anti-Asian hate here. Ben, how did you get ready for Survivor? Protein shakes, weight training, steroids, what did you do? Uh, yeah, yeah, all of those things, as it bears out on the screen, Beverly. No, I, did, I actually did some of those things. We all know that going on to Survivor, you will lose weight. I was only out there for 22 days and I lost close to 15% of my starting weight. So I Mm. really tried to just shove protein shakes into my face. I trained every day for close to two months. I wanted Mm. to be strong out there because like, look at the people around me. They're like 
elite athletes, my main thing was I just wanted to keep up. Correct. Not even necessarily win, just keep up. Can I just put on the record that your meat tray confessional was my favourite <laughs> confessional of the season? If everyone's a different cut of meat in the meat tray, Sean is like that massive T-bone steak presented to people as a challenge. And then you've got Sammy. Everyone loves Sammy, so he'd be the total crowd pleaser. I'm thinking like a beautiful, juicy porterhouse steak. Then we've got Dave. Dave's a former AFL player and he has like the back of a god. He's a backstrap. And then when it comes to Maddie, he's such an ocean boy. I reckon he's catch of the day. I think the moral of the story is you've got to treat men like pieces of meat. But you're, <laughs> you're also part of that meat tray, right? A late addition. Your sausage meat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it was so good. What is your favourite aspect of the game? Is it the physical challenge? Is it the strategizing? What is the thing that excites you about playing the game, Nina? Relationships. It's always the relationships and the strategy that comes with it in the sense of adapting to each person. I can go to Simon and have really, really open, honest conversations, but then I turn around and I have to change that up when I'm talking to Jerry. I have to be more delicate and just seeing how I can adapt myself to each person. And then talking to Ben, it's going to be a lot more straightforward, strategic chat because I know he's open to hear it. Where Haley, strategic chat, but be careful what you say because she's going to turn around and use it and, you know, do whatever she needs to do. So just adapting socially for strategic purposes. Ben? I found the strategic gameplay to begin with one of the most stressful parts of the game because I'm one of the newbie players coming in and I know how to do it theoretically, but in practice it is difficult. Like Nina, you do it so well. But for me, actually trying to say build a minority alliance as you know, the Twitter commentary it tells you to do, it's like, yeah, that's what I was trying to do, but it's not as easy when you're dealing with very different personalities. But at the end, when I had an idol and I was able to throw someone under the bus, I have to say that felt liberating. Like you have to just do what you need to do to get through another day. But I also have to say, like the challenges themselves, like I'm not a physical person, like I exercise, but I don't do group sports. They were way more fun than I thought they mm. would be. Simon? Absolutely love physical. Like the challenges were amazing, such a highlight for me. I love them, but it's not why you're there. And if I had made it to the end, the physical side would not have really factored even in so much to my final pitch because there's so much more to that game. I want to say two things on this subject. One, I have never seen such a big man become so still. Like, I'm sitting there upset that I'm losing a challenge, but then I'm just watching Simon like... Holy Is this the crap. one with the brick anything letters? He does, oh, okay. No, literally anything he does, he doesn't shake. And I'm over here having a heart attack. And then two, on the subject of Ben at the beginning of the game, I'm watching him and I'm like, red alarm, red alarm. Because when we get there, he's like, look at all these newbies and look at all these returnees. Returnees, tell us this. Returnees that like <laughs> he was very holding much forth. deliberately saying things out loud. And I'm just like, oh my God. And then he oh my did God, tell what, me. Like good or bad? Oh, Bad, Bad, but okay. in the way, just because, of course, now I'm in the minority because there's only 
five returnees, seven newbies. And I'm like, oh my God, if they catch on to this, we're screwed. But in a good way, in the sense that I saw how observant he was, and I told him this as well, I was like, if he is that type of person, I at least need him on my side, which was really, really good because he did come up to me. I remember telling me, I watched you on the truck as we were coming in. You were the only person that like wasn't nervous. And I'm like, no, no, I'm completely nervous. I just didn't want to show it. And I was like, I was so calm. I'm just like waiting for everything to start. And I was like, he needs to come on my side. What a chameleon, <laughs> Nina Twine. Okay, I've kind of hijacked the hosting, Ben. I hope you don't mind, but I've got so many questions. Jonathan LaPaglia, mm. the man, the wet t-shirt beast, the, the commentating yes, yes, yes. as your, I was just thinking, what if I was just doing a challenge and you hear Jonathan shouting, Simon catches up, Nina drop, Ben. Like, it's so funny to think that that is happening like live commentating <laughs> while you're trying to do a really difficult thing. What you think he brings to the show in terms of the questions he asks in Tribal, but also just him as a pop culture as icon. An as an Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I listened to an interview where he said that his hobby is watchmaking. Like, oh. Yes, like he makes fancy no wristwatches. Well, so like he, he's wax like on. A, yeah. a trained medical he's, doctor. He used to like be an ER a, doctor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he is an impressive human being. In his face and, right now. <laughs> ah, I, I had no idea. Oh, my God. Together. Make your face better, <laughs> Nina. Um, but Jonathan LaPaglia is an impressive person. I have to say, as a broadcaster, what he does out there is not easy. Like, one, mm. he's being a sports commentator. He's also being a political commentator. He's remembering lines. He's a trained actor. You know, let's not forget that. And he's delivering script while also improvising on the fly. Like, I see him do all of that. As players, when you're in that... It can be super encouraging to hear like, Ben is using sign language. We've never seen that before. And then super distracting where it's like, Ben is struggling. Will he ever make up the time? It's just like JLP's It's the worst. (laughs) It's hilarious, but I'll say half the time, one, either I'm not listening, I don't hear him, or when I do hear him, it's always something bad. Like when we were making that teepee to light the fire that the villains won, I almost got impaled by a stick. And he said, Nina, almost getting impaled. And I was like, Jonathan, I was injured last time. It's not going to happen again. I'm like laughing, but I'm like, oh, you need to focus. So it's definitely fun to listen, but it's always the bad parts that you hear from me, at least. Yeah. Yep. What Jonathan can do at Tribal Council is incredible. It is such a fine dance, how he can recall everyone's game, where they sit, the relationships, ask questions, get information, don't blow people's game up. Oh, Nina, I saw that you've just rolled your eyes at that. How do you feel about this? Like, <laughs> hate those it's questions. It's a really good <laughs> balance and how that comes together over the couple of hours that you're there at Tribal Council is just incredible. And you feel so relaxed and so at home. He makes that whole experience so amazing and so seamless. couple so, hours at Tribal Council? Are you serious? Oh, a couple. Oh, Simon, did you have like a seven-hour one? Like that epic tribal went on forever, right? That had the cha- that had the challenge in the middle, but yeah, we're there till like two or three. What? Two Super three, long. Yeah, yeah. Your butt goes numb. But yeah, yeah, those stools don't look comfy at all. They aren't. No. No. Okay, I'm talking to two returning players, Nina Twine, Simon, me. You've done it twice. Would you do it again, Nina? Absolutely. Oh, no hesitation there. No and hesitation Simon? at all. I'm a tentative. Yes. I'm a hard no right now. Twice in two years has been a lot. I need a break. When the time's right, when the phone rings, hopefully down the track, like maybe, but like twice is more than I ever could ask for. That's 
pretty huge. And how much of that recovery is mental recovery and how much of that is physical recovery? Um, 90, 90% mental, 10% mm-hmm. physical. Okay. Yep. How about you, Ben? Would you do it again? Oh, look, I, I do remember clocking that after Jerry, I think I was the second oldest original hero. I'm like, ooh, this is going to do a number on my body in ways that it might not <laughs> do for the other people. And I felt that. But then I remember talking to David Zaharakis after the show and he's like, dude, it took me two months for my body to recover and he's an elite athlete. So I didn't feel too bad that I came out sore for so long. But those wounds have healed, basically. But I agree with Simon. It takes a long time to mentally process stuff. But I think time plus tragedy equals comedy. I think I'm at the comedy stage now. (laughs) Have you caught the bug, Ben? Like, surely you've caught the bug. Not the same bug that you caught after the Chinese banquet. But But it's it's intoxicating, right? I was always very sceptical. I found it strange how many... Survivor alumni get together, even from different seasons afterwards. Mm. But I Mm. get it now because you've all been through something singular and strange, but also incredibly intoxicating. And um, look, if the call came, I don't think I'd say no. Do you still play those moments through in your head at night? Like the the what ifs, the sliding doors? I'll never escape them, Simon. There's a part of me that will psychologically always be trapped on Samoa. (laughs) Look, listening to you three talk about physical versus mental recovery, the only thing closest that I can think that it reminds me of is having a baby, okay? That's similar. That is going to be my survivor. Being a parent, Nina Twine, Simon Me, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us having this chat. It has been so fun. And thank you for being on this special Survivor episode of Stop Everything. You can stream the whole season of Australian Survivor, Heroes versus Villain, on the 10 Play app. I'm so happy to have spoken to you. I'm sorry you didn't make Soul Survivor. Selfishly, I am happy that the season is over because then I don't have to watch any more commercials for I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. (laughs) Oh my God, I heard about it and then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay. So I'm grateful that this season has wrapped. You'll get five hours of our week back. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Oh my God. Big thank you to our producer, Sarah Mashman, and our sound engineer, Tim Simons. This episode of Stop Everything was produced on the lands of the Turrbal, Yagara and Eora and Kulin nations and on the lands of the Muanina people from country around Nipaluna. 